We're talking about Romans 7, as Paul print, pulls the curtain back on the war that raged within him. And we're trying to understand what this tells us about the war that rages within us. We saw, Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. It says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature or flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Paul describes his spiritual condition. What I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I do not do the good I want to do, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. This doesn't seem to be something that a Christian would stay. And yet, it's not just a Christian who says it. It's the Apostle Paul. And it seems that Paul puts words in our mouth. Would you agree that if Paul applies this to himself, there's no way that we cannot apply it to ourselves. And so this doesn't just represent Paul's spiritual condition. This represents my spiritual condition. And what Paul does, he answers two questions about this. What's my problem? And he identifies it and diagnoses it. He answers the question, what's my problem? And what can I do about it? What's my problem? What he seems to suggest is my desires are irreconcilable. Paul suggests that the desires that lived within him went in different directions. Uh, what he says, these represent irreconcilable desires. What I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I do not do the good I want to do. These desires that existed within Paul, there's no way that they could relate warmly to one another. And what does this mean for us? It seems to mean this, then, because my desires are irreconcilable, I cannot have what I want to have. Because the problem is, I don't want just to have this, I want to have that. And this and that are irreconcilable. And so if I want to have things that are irreconcilable, um, it suggests I cannot have what I want to have. I cannot do what I want to do. Because if I want to do this, I also want to do that, and this and that don't go along. I don't think what I want to think. I don't feel what I want to feel. Again, I can't do what I want to do because I want to do different things. And Paul goes on to describe why this is the, what the cause and effect of this condition is what he says. In verse 23, he says, I see another law at work waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Uh, 
says, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And what Paul suggests is there's a part of me that wants to do good. And there's another part of me that does not. And that these two parts coexisted within him. Uh, in this political season, we understand different agendas, don't we? In a little over a week, officers, individuals are going to be elected. Measures are going to be either approved or disapproved. And some of us are going to be pleased. And some of us are going to be displeased. There's no way that all of us are going to be pleased because we're not going to all vote the same way. And there's every reason to believe that some of us are going to be displeased because our elected officials or our, the measures are not going to end up being validated. Paul takes this external kind of situation and applies it internally. Um, what's my problem suggests that my desires are irreconcilable. And because that's so, pleasure is unsustainable. If I am pleased by this, and if I'm pleased by that, and this and that don't coexist, I can't be pleased by those things at the same time, then my pleasure is unsustainable. And what it means, displeasure is unavoidable. Uh, that's difficult for us, because we believe that we deserve to be pleased. And if I'm not pleased, there's something wrong. If I'm not pleased, there's something wrong with me. Or if I'm not pleased, there's something wrong with you. We believe that something is wrong if we're displeased and we blame our displeasure on ourselves or others. The fact is, pleasure is unsustainable. And displeasure is unavoidable because our desires are irreconcilable. There is a reason our desires are at war within each other when it says sin is living in me. Look what he says uh, in verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. He goes on, look at verse 20. If I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. He says that our desires are irreconcilable because sin is living within us. And when Paul says sin is living within us, he's not saying we do sinful things. He's saying there is a power within us that exercises influence over us. The reason we do sinful things is because sin is living in us. Sin is not living in us because we do sinful things. We do sinful things because sin is living in us. Paul says, in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Paul says, in my inner being, I delight in God's law. One part of me accepts and delights in the law of God. But what it says, I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. One part of me obeys the law of God, and another part of me obeys the law of sin. 
What's my problem? Not only are my desires irreconcilable, but sin is living in me, and one part of me obeys the law of God, and another part of me obeys the law of sin. It's like we have two different kingdoms within us that are loyal and comply with two different laws. There's a part of us that complies with the law of God. There's a part of us that complies with the law of sin. What that means is that when we hear the law of God, when we think of what God wants for us, he wants us to love one another with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. There's a part of us that resonates with that, that hears about the law of God, and there is a resonant response. Bing, 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 bing. We hear it. Bing, bing. Yes, 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 yes. However, there's another part of us that has a different reaction. There is a dissonant reaction at another level. Part of us is going, when we hear God's law, bing, 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 bing. Another part is goes, eh, 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 eh. And these parts coexist within us. Um, we might say that this isn't our experience. We're not that divided. Would you agree with me if Paul was that divided? then that's probably what's real. I wonder why we're not as divided as Paul was. Maybe it's because we don't take God's law as seriously as he did. We think, well, maybe I could do this or that. Paul was very devoted to God's law, and we, maybe it makes sense that Paul's conflict was greater because his devotion to God's law was greater. In that sense, conflictedness inside is not a bad sign. It's a sign that there is a desire to honor God's law. You'd imagine, wouldn't you, that in a head-to-head -head battle, the law of God in the inner being would defeat the law of God in the members of the body. Would you agree? Doesn't that make, yeah, you'd imagine that the law of God would defeat the law of sin. Look what it says. In my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Did the law of sin become imprisoned by the law of God? Or did the law of God become imprisoned by the law of sin? What is it suggesting? In a head-to-head -head battle, the law of God dominates the law of sin. Uh, that's what Paul seems to suggest. What does this mean? It seems to mean this. I cannot win the war with him. I can't win it. Because I wanted to do different things. And if I can't win the war with him, I have to learn to live with it. Um, this service is an issue for us that we might, we all struggle with this, all of us. But we might not recognize. Point is this, what's my problem? My desires are irreconcilable. Sin is living in me. And I'm weary of the war with him. If you're underlining, if you're in, yeah, there's in the worship folder, that's the word to fill in the blank with. I am weary of the war within.
This is what Paul realizes about himself. He feels the struggle. And what he comes to the conclusion, I am so tired. Well, look what he says. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this, this body that is subject to death? The word wretched, that's a word we need to understand. When we think of something that's wretched, we think of something that's bad or ugly. That's really not what the word means. The word wretched means distressed. Somebody that is afflicted with troubles. What this is, when Paul says wretched and wretched man that I am, it's not a condemnation. It's an observation. If you've been dealing with something very difficult, and if I ask you, how are you doing? And you say, you know what, Mike, I'm bone tired. I'm so tired. I have to deal with this at work and I have to deal with that. That's an observation. It's not a judgment. You're telling me about something that how you react to what's happening. If I said, what's happening? You said, I'm really bad. And, but what Paul is suggesting with respect to this war within, wretched is not him saying, I'm bad. What he's saying, I'm distressed, I'm afflicted. In fact, the image for what Paul says by wretchedness is somebody who was born a burden to the point of exhaustion and their hands are on their... This is what wretched looks like. I am so tired. I am so weary of the war within. That's what Paul comes to, and he says it out loud. I have a question. Are you weary of the war within? You might say, no. Fact is, yeah, you are. And so am I. If this is true of Paul, it's true of us. But you know what we do? We don't recognize it. We blame our state on someone. It's the Republicans. I'm not weary of the war within. It's the Republicans. I'm not weary of the war within. It's the Democrats. I'm not weary of the war within. It's my husband. I'm not weary of the war within. It's my wife. It's my job. It's my kids. It's my health. I'm not weary of the war within. It's these bad things around me. And what Paul suggests, you know what your issue is? Same issue mine is. We're tired of the war within being pulled in opposite directions. Um, so here is the problem. That's my problem. My desires are irreconcilable. Because my desires are irreconcilable, pleasure is unsustainable, and displeasure is unavoidable. That's my problem. Sin is living in me. And what that means, one part of me obeys the law of God, and another part of me obeys the law of sin. What's my problem? I am weary of the war within. What can we do about it? Well, says a couple of things. Uh, we looked at this last week just by way of review. I need to control sin, not sins. When Paul talks about sin, sin is a power. And the way we control sin as a power is not the way we control sins as actions. Sin's influence becomes irresistible under law. So what we need to learn and know about controlling sin, that when you believe that God operates by the law, by the old covenant decrees, that increases the influence of sin within. It makes sin within more powerful. That's what Paul is saying. And the more I try to control sins, then 
the more I am controlled by sin, we saw that last week, that's absolutely true. The more I try to control sins, the more I am controlled by sin, because sin is empowered by law. Uh, so Paul, Paul also said what we talked about in terms of what we can do about it. I need to develop new covenant faith. If sin is more powerful under the old covenant, what we need to do is come out from underneath the old covenant. And there's only one way to do that. And you can't do it by yourself. You need help. If we embrace the new covenant and try to understand it, make room for it in our mind, little by little, if you embrace the new covenant, it's like being stuck in mud. And you can't get yourself out of the mud pile. But if you embrace somebody who pulls you up, what pulls us up out of the old covenant is the new covenant. And that's why it's really important. Make room in your head for the new covenant. And um, I talked about one specific way you can do that. And I'll mention it every time during this series. Practice new covenant confession. Now, it's not on there, but there's four statements. Do you remember what they are? Four things to say when you sin, you do something, your anger overwhelms you. You see something, you do something you shouldn't do. There are four statements. Do you remember what they are? First one, you're still in me. You're still in me. Because what the new covenant says, God puts his law in your minds and writes it on your hearts. That's the new covenant. What that means, even when you do something wrong, God is still putting his law in your mind and writing it on your hearts, changing you from the inside as you believe that. And well, that's the reason why you practice it. You're still in me. You remember the second one? You're still in me. You're still with me. God says that you will, I will be your God and you will be my person, my son and daughter. So even when you did that thing, I'm still in you and I'm still with you. You are not walking alone. Okay. So what you practice new covenant confession, you're still in me. I did that thing, but you're still in me and you're still with me. Remember the third thing? Good is still ahead of me. Well, God says, I will be helios or merciful to their unrighteousnesses, and I will remember their sins no more. This is really the, so even though you did that thing, you didn't disconnect from good. If you're connected to God and God's connected to good, you're connected to good by the new covenant. When you did that thing, God didn't go, okay, now bad's got you. That's not the way it works with the new covenant. You're still in me. You're still with me. Good's still ahead of me. How do we know that? Because it's a covenant and God doesn't break covenant promises. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. You're still in me. You're still with me. Good's still ahead of me. Guaranteed. Some people say sin separates you from God. Not under the new covenant, it doesn't. So when you hear that, somebody says, you're disconnected. What do you do? You don't go bing, 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 bing. You go, eh, there you go. Oh. Only the new covenant can displace the old covenant. What do I do about it? One more thing. Um, I need to pour out my heart to God. I need to pour out my heart to God. You know what pouring out your heart to God means? God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of dealing with this and that, that and this. 
pouring out your heart to God doesn't mean, okay, God, I'm fine. It means that you tell the truth about how you feel about the war within. I'm tired of the war within. Um, I need to pour out my heart to God. It says in the Psalms, my salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. You know what it means when God is your refuge? It doesn't mean that you tell him what you think he wants to hear. It means you pour out your heart to him and you tell him the truth. You talk to him about your fatigue. You tell it to him because you know he understands that Jesus came. And although he never sinned, he experienced the war within. And that's what Paul does here. Would you agree with me? Paul is pouring out his heart to God, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death. Paul admits how tired he is from living with the war within. This is the way to deal with the war within, to admit how tiring it is. Ed, I'm going to take you and Janice to come up here for a second. Okay. This will be good. Okay. Ed and Janice represent the different desires that live in me. Okay. Now, the way it works, and so when you get your desire met, and you get your desire met, Ed, you're going to smile. There he is. And when Ed gets his desire met, what's Janice going to do? Okay, she's not going to like it very much. Okay. So, and conversely, when Janice gets her desire met, and then how does Ed feel about that? Yeah, okay. And that's the way it works. These guys are not going to be pleased at the same time. And what Paul says, this represents the different desires that live within us. They can't be pleased at the same time. This, I bet that feels tiring. You get yours met and you get angry and you get yours met and you, yeah, so it's it's kind of tiring. Uh, you know, that would be, there's no way for these people, these desires to be able to, to be together. But maybe there's one thing. You're kind of tired of this back and forth battle within. You kind of tired back and forth of this battle within. Let's see. And the parts of me are tired of the war within. And they both, you can agree with that. And that's what Paul is, thanks. <laughs> that's what Paul would have us to do, to degree. And that's a way to pull the different parts of us together. Um, we're not going to get what we want. And we're tired of the war within. But you know what we can do? We could admit that. We're tired of the war within. And we can pour out our heart to him. And that's something that all of us can say. All the different parts of us can say. Every single part of you. If I would ask, and if the different parts of you could raise their hand, how many parts of you are tired and weary of the war within? Every single part would put the hands up. And that's a way that we can come before God with all of us. Not with that part that all of us can come before God and say, I'm tired of the war within. It's crying out to God. Oh, well, that's good. If you understand this, crying out to God, when you cry out to God, of course, 
he will eliminate the war within. Now, right? When you cry out to God, the war within goes away, right? Bing, 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 bing. What? And no. You know what we have to do? We have to learn to hold the tension and hold God's hand at the same time. Hold your tension. My desires are irreconcilable. Pleasure is unsustainable. Displeasure is unavoidable. Hold the tension and hold God's hand at the same time. This is not how you eliminate the war within. This is how you endure it. Because the thing is, we feel so alone and isolated with the war. And knowing that God walks with us, even as the war rages, allows us to, gives us the perseverance we need to carry on. We can't eliminate the tension within created by our disparate desires. Um, learn to hold tension, not hide or hurl it. Do you remember what Adam and Eve did when they were in the Garden of Eden and they ate the fruit and what they did, they hid. They hid in the, in the bushes when God came. And then when he said, okay, come out and said, where are you? And they said, and remember what Adam did? Guys, the woman you, you gave me, she gave me of the fruit and I ate it. That's what we tend to do. Rather than admitting the war within, we blame somebody. We hide from God or we hurl. And, and in order to deal with the war within, rather than to do that, you would have us pour out our heart to God. We tend to do when we, rather when we feel this tension. In order to endure it, we kind of, we have a tendency rather than admit the truth to do cosmetics. Here's what the last verse we'll look at. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their own sin. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their own sin. What the psalmist is saying, rather than admit what's within, he said, there is, he came to an understanding of how people deal with not wanting things inside to become obvious. So there's things inside that I'm really not thrilled about. So what he says, they flatter themselves too much. To flatter to means to smooth the external surface of something. So the outside looks good but the inside doesn't. And this is what the psalmist says, David says, that's the deal. Rather than deal with what's true, what people have a tendency to do is clean the outside of the cup and dish um, to make the outside look presentable. But I've heard it said once, when how things look is all that matters, how things really are, we'll never get dealt with. And God doesn't want us to pretend with him. What he wants us to do is to pour out our heart to him. What can we do about it? I need to control sin, not sins. I need to develop new covenant faith, develop covenant clarity, and practice new covenant confession. And I need to pour out my heart to God. I need to hold tension, not hide or hurl. I need to learn to resist hypocrisy and judgment. That's when Rather than be honest with God about what's inside, I compare myself to somebody else. 
well, I might be this, but at least I'm not you, or at least I'm not you. And that's not a way to deal with it. Or rather than judgment, sometimes you do hypocrisy, which is pretending that we're better than we are. And what Paul tells us is that we're going to find mercy and grace as we come to God and pour out our heart to him. We're going to continue on in this series next week and as we learn about serving two different masters. But let's stand for closing prayer. Father, thanks for Paul's honesty. He breaks the silence on the war within and in words that are striking, shocking, clear, and at some level, relieving. Um, truth is that our desires are irreconcilable and that sin is living within us and that we are tired of the war within. And what you would have us do is learn to control sin, not sins. That comes from developing covenant clarity, learning to develop new covenant faith, and by pouring out our hearts to you because you are a refuge. Thanks for that. I pray that we continue to learn from Paul about how to deal with, not, not to eliminate, but to deal with the war within. Thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.